This is the Two Fish Podcast, where we try to keep biblical truths simple. Your hosts, Nick Burt and Aaron Apple. Hey, 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 Two Fish community. This is Aaron Apple. Across from me, we got Nick Burt. Welcome back. Yeah. It's a new week, new episode. Yeah. And some new learning. Yeah. Hopefully, you enjoyed the last episode that we did with our friend, Matt Ernsberger, he did an amazing job. I think we stuck on pride for a while. We ended up sticking on pride for a while. And man, that's good. We went through the study of James and James has a bunch of stuff. And that conversation ended up sticking on pride for a while. And even after we recorded the episode, we just kept talking. It was, it was good. It was a great episode. So hopefully that blessed you. It was a, it was a really good night uh, in general for us. And I need to re-listen to that episode because it was just one of those episodes that's really good and conflicting and it's a good reminder that uh we got to continue to lay ourselves down and it also kind of feeds into where we're going today so we're we're in galatians 5 uh verse 13 through 26 and we're gonna be talking about the fruits of the spirit yeah because james in i believe it was chapter three said hey your faith in christ you will begin to show good works and we were thinking man what are these good works what are the good works that we should be looking for? Where in the Bible? Oh, everyone knows Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. These are the fruits that you should have. At least you should be working on having. And so because of your faith in Christ, because you're a Christian, these are the things that are going to start showing up in your life as you slowly change towards living a life for Christ. So we'll start in verse 13, I guess, which is weird because my heading starts in 16. Right. Mine starts in 13. We're going to have to have, here's what we'll do in a future episode. We'll have someone on that writes Bibles. I don't even know what that title is. And we'll ask him, what is going on with all these weird title headings? We'll have to find someone that can help us with that. So I guess your your Bible starts in 13, so we'll just start there to be consistent with, I guess, your Bible. Yeah, because your Bible is <laughs> definitely not as good as yeah. the NIV Bible. And it's not quite as godly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Galatians 5, starting in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. Yeah, once again, uh, Galatians five thirteen through through twenty six. There, living by the Spirit, right? That's that's the goal. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here, and uh, does a good job of contrasting the two there. So um, we'll go we'll go through this section, and I I just got to say, just reading this, this wasn't something that I was gonna like. It didn't stick with me the first time, even when I was getting ready for this episode. If you haven't heard last week's episode with Matt Ernsberger. Go listen to that because I just love the way Matt, and this just popped in my mind again, his 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 voice popped in my head, the way he is so, man, that's pretty blunt. James is pretty blunt. This is how it is. And when we, we were just reading that, verse 21, uh, the last part says, I warn you, as I warn you before, that those who do such things, he's talking about the things of the flesh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Is that how yours reads? Yeah. Like, that is so blunt. Paul is not putting it lightly. He's like, when you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I just can hear Matt's voice from last week saying, hey, look, this is how the Bible says it. Like, it's a direct will not. So this is a letter, too, right? So he wrote a letter. It's not like he's standing up telling them this. Yeah. So it is very blunt, but imagine he's up there preaching this. Like, it is going to be in your face, mm-hmm. very pointed, and uh, there's going to be some enthusiasm behind it, right? It's what I kind of picture when, w- with what you're describing, like Paul's up there preaching to you, and it's a very pointed and very blunt and in your face. Yeah. Like, if you're doing this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oof. Anyway, let's go back up to 13. I just, as we were reading, as I was reading that again, like, it's like I've said, when you could read the Bible a hundred times, but depending on the se- maybe the season of your life you're in, you'll get something new every time. So that just that popped in my mind. Anyway, verse 13, um, this first section, we're going to do a little section at a time here. In this first section, just for background of the chapter, Paul is writing to the Galatian church, and they're starting to go back to the law. They're starting to start making rules and following all these laws that God is or that Jesus came to say, hey, I fulfilled this stuff. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And so they're starting to go back to that. And Paul's writing and saying, hey, as, as, as he says here in verse 13, if you want the freedom that Christ allows us to have, you need to start doing, getting away from these things of the flesh, these rules, these things you're doing that is all religion. It's not a relationship with Christ. Because verse 14 says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that's words of Jesus. Jesus talked about love the Lord your God as number one, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And so he's referencing again those words of Jesus saying, it is so important to love your neighbor. Now, I think sometimes, here's the problem with the difference maybe today. It's probably actually not a difference today because if you look at the list of the flesh, these are a lot of the things that the world around us now deal with even today the sexual immorality, the impurity, the sorcery, all this stuff, we we still all deal with that today, 2,000-some years later. But I think a lot of times when we say, you need to love your neighbor, we take that too far and we say, it would be it would not be loving if we didn't say, hey, Aaron Apple, I see you doing one of these things on this list, and I'm sure this was just a list, maybe even off the top of his head, 
as he's writing this. Hey, these are the big ones. There could be others. But hey, I, I feel like I see you going down a road maybe you shouldn't. I know you're a big sorcery guy, Aaron. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I see this. I love you enough to tell you, hey, you're doing wrong. I think sometimes people say we need to love our neighbor and that's allowing them to be, I don't know, be themselves or do what they want to do because I love them. Well, if they're doing wrong and they're doing the desires of the flesh that we'll get in here, that's not loving them by allowing them to go down this road that we just, that I just pointed out, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I kind of feel, I feel like I'm being harsh there, but that's the way I, I feel like I see, hear this all the time nowadays and that's not loving to allow, especially a Christian brother or sister, to do those things that are in, especially in this specific list. That's really good. And I think we're sitting here doing this live on Facebook, right? And I had pulled up uh, John 15 for a totally different reason. And John 15 here where Jesus, uh, verse 9, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Jesus didn't just come and hug people and say, I love you. He came and called them out on their sins, yeah. right? Yeah. And said, go forth and sin no more. Mm. It wasn't, oh, Nick Burt, you're... You're okay, buddy. Come here, give yeah. me give me a hug and a yeah. a pat on the back and spit fire. You're you're okay now. It was he looked you in the eyes, he told you what you had done, and he told you to go forth and sin no more. That is love. And coming alongside that person, alongside your neighbor, and helping him to to walk away from uh, these things that Paul talks about later down in verse nineteen like helping them walk away from whatever that maybe it's an anger issue or, yeah. or whatever, but yeah. that's loving your neighbor. I think that's a great example. That verse that you wrote of Jesus being example, be, being the example. And yeah, he spit some fire when yeah. he, when he went in and even when he healed people, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Like the most important thing was sins. When you were saying that the woman at the well came, she, he said, I know what you've done. Here's your sins. You know, he was kind of releasing her of that baggage that she had, but don't sin anymore. Right. What you're doing is wrong. Don't do it anymore. He wasn't loving her. He did love her and he showed love to her and compassion to her. But he pointed out that, again, what you're doing is wrong. Right. He didn't do what verse 15 here talks about is if you bite and devour each other. So he didn't walk up and, and devour you and condemn you. Mm. Right. He told you what you're doing wrong and told you to walk away from that and sin no more. But if we walk up to each other and I'm like, Nick Burt, your anger sucks. Like yeah. you're a terrible person. You need to quit doing that. You're just horrible. And I just belittle you. Like we're going to destroy each other. Yeah. I'm going to react in anger and maybe start using sorcery and cast a spell on you. Right. And, <laughs> and I, like James says, our, we can't control our tongues in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. So then you end up saying something to me, and next thing you know, Two Fish Podcast is no more. <laughs> because we let it consume us. Yeah. That's good. I think those are some verses. There's always those verses that I feel like get used wrong. We take them too far on either side of the spectrum. There you go. A lot of times we want the Bible to f make us feel good. And as we've read through James, 
the Bible shouldn't didn't make any of us feel good as we were having these conversations here on the Two Fish Podcast. It made us feel convicted, and that's what it should do. Verse 16 then starts this list of these uh, desires of the flesh, like we read, and he gives some specifics. I, I wonder, I wonder if this was I assume these are the things that he saw the Galatian people struggling with. He had visited there as he looked back and was writing this. I imagine these are the things as he's walking around preaching. These are the things that he's seen in Galatia, who he's writing to. And these are the things that they're specifically struggling with. And like I said earlier, these are things that we see in society like literally every day. Some of the things you can see in your own life sometimes. But he says, now the works of the flesh are evident. How can you not understand that these are wrong? These are of your flesh. These are the things that you want, not that God wants for you. Or like we've said, the works of your faith. These are the opposite of that. And he, and I think he gives this, this list so that it's a comparison to what he's going to say the fruits of the Spirit are. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensu- sensuality. Those three, I, want, I wonder why he separates those three because those tend to, in my mind, be really similar there. Then idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. That was the, that example we gave of each other, you know, being consumed by, Hey, you need to love that person by calling them out, but don't, you need to make sure you know how you're doing it is correct. Rivalries, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Again, I warn you as I warn you before that those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty strong list of things that the flesh wants, the things that we as as humans want. You had a lot of different words in yours. Really? Yeah. So I'm going to read through mine, verse 19. So the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like there are several different words in there but basically they they mean the same things just a different word thrown in there and it's not a i wouldn't say it's an all-encompassing list of our fleshly desires you know you left out money at least here in america there's a strong desire to always make the next dollar the next buck i don't feel like that was in there no but but idolatry was and as we've talked before, putting idols above God, that could include stuff like that. But if you don't look at your life and break those things down and say, man, idolatry, do I have any idols in my life? Oh, money. Yeah, I do put money up on a pedestal. Like if you're not willing to break down those things, I feel like orgies is a pretty easy one. That's a pretty specific thing, but idolatry is not. Yeah. It, it, that could encompass a lot of things. That's a good point. You can fit all kinds of things into idols. So then, you know, you got to you gotta look at the opposite of what of our fleshly desires are, which is where verse 22 comes in. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Then it finishes up, against such things there is no law. So there, there's, no, there's no law against these things as we receive the Spirit. Like, we're going to begin to produce fruit that is love, joy, peace. We're going we're gonna to live a different way. They're not going to create a law against loving your neighbor. Yeah, because the Galatians were going back to legalism in the church. 
And he's saying, if you guys have a law against self-control, like, no, there's not going to be any laws against self-control. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. What did you think? I don't know. I guess I, I, I think I kind of just, I skipped over that part. Like, against such things, there is no law. Like, there is not going to be a law against love or kindness or peace. You know what? We could totally be wrong the way we're reading this, but reading it in context as as the Galatians are starting to move back towards legalism in the church, and they're writing a law that says, I look at it the other way, they're writing a law that you have to, maybe it's a mandate that you have to do this, but it's not It's not flowing from you, it's a forcing you to love, let's say. You have to love this kind of person because of a reason. It's not coming from the fruits and from the works that that faith in Christ, it's not like, I think, when as they probably were going to laws that that went against this, that he Paul was saying, "Hey, no, we're not going to do that." They're going to have a law against fits of rage. Like if if you're running down Main Street in a fit of rage, you're probably going to get arrested, right? Yeah. But if you're going down Main Street and you're handing out kindness or appropriately approaching people and saying, "Hey, you need a hug today?" Like, yeah. how you doing today? <laughs> I love how you say appropriately. Please do it appropriately. <laughs> right. I mean, you can't just walk up to everybody and, and, and touch them however you yeah, want, yeah. right? Like, but if you're walking down Main Street and you're approaching people in a kind manner and, and having a conversation and, and handing out a free hug here and there. Yeah. Um, it's like those videos. You ever seen the videos of the guy that wears the shirt that says, hey, I got free hugs? Yeah, and like yeah, People yeah. come up and give him a hug. Yeah. That kind of thing. There's not going to be a law against that, but there's going to be a laws against your fits of rage. Yeah. So if, if but I wonder, but I wonder if what was happening was the Galatians were saying, and, I, and joy pops out at me on Sundays, the Sabbath, you can't run through the town and sing praises to God and have that joy. And Paul's saying, no, against such things there is no law. The joy, joy is one of the fruits of the spirit. Here, joy is one of those things that's going to come. Because of your faith that James talks about. And they were trying to limit that maybe. And Paul's saying no against such things, against these things, you're not going to have any laws. You need to be able to have that joy and sing. Maybe maybe it's in my mind, it's singing praises in the street. And people are saying, no, you can't do that on Sundays at and this side of town. No, I think that's really good. And I, if you go... Earlier into chapter 5 here, you read verse 4, you are trying to be justified by the law and have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. Like, if you're going to have to create laws to try and stop people from sexual immorality and having orgies or, or whatever, then then you have fallen away. You You are going back to trying to live by the law and the and being circumcised and and all those things. You're no longer trying to live by the grace of God and, and live with the Spirit, which is naturally going to produce these kind of things. But we're not going to be perfect at it either. Correct. I think if you look at the first list, there's going to be times where idolatry, for example, like we've said, you're going to find yourself, oh, man, you know what? I put that ahead of God or I put that ahead of my family. I kind of put that on a pedestal and made an idol of that. Or you're going to have a fit of rage as you're driving down the interstate and some guy cuts you off. Or hatred. Hatred, yeah. But you're going to find yourself, oh, man, 
this is that sanctification we talked about that it's a process. It's a process. It's always going to be a process. You're going to find yourself screwing up every day. We're all sinners. But as you grow in Christ, which hopefully we all are, at least a little, we're going to start showing more patience in that road rage situation. I do love, though, and this has always made me think about it, but I've never been interested in looking it up. Your Bible says, instead of patience, says forbearance. Yeah. Which I always thought my wife had to memorize these verses one time, and she said forbearance. I'm like, what is that? That's not what it says. It says patience. No, so what forbearance is patient self-control, resistant and tolerance. So it is refraining yourself from acting out. It is refraining yourself from an action. When you think of patience, like you, I think of sitting back and just waiting. Something's to come down the road. I just got to wait for it. Where I think forbearance is more of a, like, I'm not going to react to that. That's what comes to mind when I think of patience is that, Lord, man, the Legos are all over the floor again, and I stepped on them. Whatever the situation is, rather than snap or react and reach out and say, kids, I'm throwing away all your Legos because I'm tired of stepping on them, whatever it is, rather than do that, say, Lord, ah, give me patience. I was a little boy too and left my Legos out. Like I'm just using that as an example. That's how I think of patience, but I never thought of it with the word forbearance. That's where my mind goes, but I understand where your mind goes, being patient on things to come. When I looked this up, it also showed like the, the legal end of it, the law. Um, so like mortgage forbearance is an example of it, is the action of refraining from exercising a legal right to enforce somebody to pay your debt. It's withholding an action, yeah. withholding that anger or that hatred. And then Paul wraps that section up by saying, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We're all called to die to ourselves every day, be in Christ, live for Christ every day. And part of that dying to self, part of that renewal, that sanctification as we talked about, is getting rid of all the flesh stuff, all the things we want to do but know we shouldn't do. It's getting, finding that stuff in our lives, finding the adult idolatry, finding the, the fits of anger, the rivalries that we have that aren't like good, fun rivalries, finding those things and saying, man, that's wrong of me. I need every day I need to look at those and say, okay, I need to get that stuff out of my life. And I need, and as we do that, I think it's almost as we do those things, we're allowing room for these, the fruits of our, of our faith to come in. As I realize, oh man, I deal with fits of anger. As I work on that, the patience and the forbearance is going to come and fill that void. No, that's, that's really good. I was just kind of like reflecting back. And I guess I went to my high school ages where. Glory days. <laughs> and the, the, I don't know, just having that. There was always somebody that you had a rival against. Yeah. Like for no good reason, typically. Either it was another school, maybe it was another athlete on a on another another team. Yeah. Either you were jealous of him or like you just kinda always butted heads and you had that you had that anger, that desire. You almost wished evil upon him, right? 
I guess that's where my mind went with a with yeah. a rival, and that doesn't exist so much now in my life. Like, there's probably some scenarios where it would pop back in, but for the most part, like a lot of that has gone. I don't sit there and judge people. I don't not as much. Yeah, I'm not going to say I'm perfect at yeah, it, but yeah. it's not. I don't have that rival with people. I guess I. I'm sitting here reading this and I'm thinking about that and I can go back 20 years to high school and college and playing sports. Like there was always a guy for no good reason. I didn't know his character. I didn't know who he was. I only knew who he was on the field and had something against him. And I think maybe there's like we kind of said earlier, like one's extreme to the other. I don't think it's wrong to have that rival that pushes you to be better. So in your example with soccer and sports, having that other team, that, man, they're good, this is this little school rivalry, but at the end of the day when the game's over, we're fist bumping each other, we're saying good job. You know what I mean? There's that. It's a friendly competition, but there's not hatred out of it. You're, you're not wanting him, the star player of the other team, to break his ankle that week so he can't play. You know what I mean? That, that kind of rivalry is not good, and I wonder if that's what the Galatian church was dealing with there is this r- hatred rivalry of maybe who's better at being a Christian or whatever it is, Paul Paul obviously was seeing something there. So I think that's one of those things where you have to look at it as one extreme to the other. We're making sure we're in the middle there. Yeah, we got to have that balance. And I think that, that leads us into verse 25. If we can do what verse 25 says here, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So in that scenario, like, yeah, you have, a, you have rivals over here, but keep in step with the Spirit and don't have that hatred and have self-control and have peace and find the love and the joy in that rival scenario, right? If we can do that, as verse 25 says, as we live by the Spirit, we got to keep in step with it. we got to keep up with it. we got to keep striving for that. We can't let the hatred and the the other things sneak in there and and take away. Ultimately, it's going to take away the joy and the and the fun eventually. I love the sports example that you get because, it, again, it makes me think of rather than have that rival where we're angry and you tackle the guy in football, you can have that rivalry, that good rivalry, where you hit the guy in football and you made a good play, but then you're reaching down and helping him back up. I, I, I love that sports. You, you sportsmanship. S- sportsmanship. There you go. Maybe that should be a fruit of the spirit. Sportsmanship. Yeah, we said it's not all-inclusive. Yeah, there you go. Paul wrapped it up here in verse 26. Don't become conceited provoking and envy each other like when you take these two lists here from 19 and then in 22 like it kind of encompasses those and and says as we walk away from our fleshly desires as we connect with our the holy spirit and we're trying to live by the spirit like we're not going to be conceited we're not going to put ourselves on there we're not going to provoke our brother into sinning and we're not going to envy each other. We're going to accept each other for who who we are and, and where we are in life. And we're only going to do that if we live by the Spirit. And the reason I brought up John 15, I think, was for the end of this. And it's in verse 4, once again, is the remain in me and I will remain in you. And we have to remain in God and we have to remain connected to our Holy Spirit to be able to do these things. We're never going to be perfect at it, right? We're always going to have moments where there's going to be jealousy. There's going to be fits of anger. We're going to have some kind of hatred 
towards somebody. We're not we're not gonna like what they did to us, or we're not gonna like what they did to our friend, and we're we're not gonna like that person in that moment. But we gotta walk away from that. And and James also tells us to confess our sins. So like if we're in the midst of these fleshly desires. We need to go to our brothers and our sisters and, and confess. And um, if that person is living by the Spirit, they're going to come alongside you and, and help you get through those moments. Yeah. What a great example, like in the beginning, loving your neighbor. Hopefully you enjoyed this as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, those things that can replace the fleshly things in our lives. Start, start this week looking and thinking about your own life and thinking about the things that, as we're Christians and as we're walking through the Word together, we can start replacing some of those worldly things with fruits and things of God. Join us next week as we'll have a new episode of the Two Fish Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Make sure you go out and join the Two Fish community on Facebook and Instagram. Also, hit those subscribe and follow buttons so you don't miss next week's episode of the Two Fish Podcast.